walk through uh, some of the story of Jonah this morning. Uh, obviously, that's one of the stories that children first learn. And most of you are aware that a big fish swallowed him and spit him out on land and that he went to talk to people. So I, I, I won't rehearse too much of that. Well, what I'd like to do is just walk through some of the things connected with his life. What I want to share is that God's perception of the nations and of people groups and um, uh, individuals is often quite a bit different than ours. And there's a need for us to move toward him, not him toward us. That oftentimes we substitute selfishness for this sense of, well, I'm really just looking out for others. Um, you know, we, we wrestle through our own selfishnesses, but oftentimes then it gets locked into a family setting where we're, I'm just looking out for my family. You know, I've, I've watched moms do the smackdown on another child because they weren't happy with the way that child was treating their own kids. And uh, you, don't not, you do not want to get in their way. Well, you know, that's, that can be presented as, well, I'm just taking care of my family, but really there is a, a core there that, that isn't all that healthy. You know, were they truly looking after the other kid? Mm, questionable. We do that in church life as well. We get very loyal to our group, and, and we take care of that group, but there's a lot of people outside of here. And, and other groups, you know, our schools and and. And such, but there's this this thing of loyalty that develops within us, and sometimes it's not God driven, but it's more based in selfishness. What I see in the story of Jonah is a man who, you know, according to the book of Second Kings, had given a prophecy that land would be restored to Israel, and he liked doing that. But when God called him to speak to a nation that he was afraid of. He ran the other direction. His name means dove, which is kind of interesting, because he is not a dove in the story. Uh, if anything, he would like to see that nation fallen down. But what, I, what I'd like you to do is, before we walk through this, is maybe make a list of nations that bring you a certain amount of worry or fear, concern. You know, there's, there's questions, you know, where's, what's the Soviet Union doing right now? What's China up to? What about North Korea? And then you start moving into people groups. What about the Muslims? You know, are, you know, are, are they, what's going on there? Even at home, there's, there's concerns. You know, what about gays? This church has had prophecies that we would have effective ministry in the gay community. We have yet to fulfill that. But when we get worried about the political agendas, it's easy to, to kind of close the doors. It's the same thing when we look politically and, you know, for years some of us are going, those Democrats, if they just, you know, them liberals, and then... Now we're going, I don't even trust the Republicans, you know, and, you know, you can, you can get all caught up in people groups because of your loyalties, but does, is that the way God perceives them? 
If we're not perceiving people in the way that God sees them, our thinking is twisted. And we can justify it religiously, but it does not mean that we're getting it right. And so when we walk through this story, we recognize here's a man who is living in God's nation, Israel, who's a prophet in that nation, and yet he makes a very bad choice. It says the Lord came to word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. In future years, Nineveh would march on Israel. The guy had a point. You know, politically, there was reason to have concern. That still doesn't mean that God wasn't interested in speaking to him. Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed to Tarshish. You know the story, he got on the ship, violent storm came up. The sailors did everything in their power to try to get things straightened out. They threw stuff overboard, they, they did whatever they knew to do, yet the ship is threatening to break up. And so they're, they're crying out to their own gods, they're, they're doing everything that they can think of. Jonah, on the other hand, goes down to the bottom of the ship and goes to sleep. So he's already run away from God. What's, what's the worst? I'm going to die? He, he just doesn't care at that point. Well, they sort it out and they figure out the reason this storm is happening is because of him. They cry out to God and, and they do their best to row back to land, but finally they, Jonah says, throw me overboard, it'll be taken care of. And they're praying. <laughs> These ungodly guys are praying, God forgive us. They throw him over. And then they have a, an experience where they, because the sea suddenly turns calm, they're, they're calling out to God and, and offering a sacrifice to him. Even in running away, his evangelism gift was working. Uh, <laughs> I don't get it, but it, there was something happening connected to his life. It says, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and he was in the fish three days and three nights. I assume that he thought when he was thrown overboard, well, this is a quick end. I'll drown, it'll be over with, and I won't have had to do what I didn't want to do. But sitting in the fish got his attention. It was like, you know, how, how quick is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? How many days could this possibly go on? God help me. You know, eventually, eventually, there's this thing of saying, I don't know that it can get any worse than this. And it's amazing to me that even in running from God and refusing to do what God had asked, and in a situation where he knows that death is imminent, he finally does call out, and I would guess that your thinking would be, does he even care anymore? Would he respond to me? Is the compassion that we've talked about, our, our loving God, is there a willingness to speak to me even now? And the incredible thing is, the answer is yes. 
You know, for the heart that's been wandering and doing its own thing and refusing to do what God had asked of it, to, to, to see a story like this and say, even in the final moments, if that heart turns toward God, there's an opportunity to be heard. So he calls out, and it, you know, he, he, in, this, in the second chapter, he gives a depiction of seaweed wrapped around his head, down in the depths, you know, the most miserable thing you could think of. I, I, I mean, locked in a small cell would be great, but to be cramped and, and have a difficult time even moving, I think if I talk on this long enough, you could feel claustrophobic, Right? Some of you getting squirmish or, you know, it had to be miserable. And yet, to just, okay, God, you know, please do something. My life was ebbing away, he says, in the seventh verse. My prayer rose up to you in your holy temple. And the incredible thing is, it says this fish spits them out on dry land. Then the word of the Lord comes to him again. Go to Nineveh. And so he's right back where he started from. But the, the message is the same. This time he's obedient. He goes. Says it was a, a large city, three days to, to revisit it or go around it. And different people argue about how big that is. But for its day, it was a massive place. The amazing thing is that as he's declaring the word of the Lord, people respond. They start humbling themselves from the lowest to the greatest. The king himself puts on sackcloth, starts fasting. Sackcloth was a sign of humility. You know, so they, they, they do everything in their power, and what, what is declared is, who knows? God may yet relent and have with compassion turn his fierce anger so that we'll not perish. So they're, they're responding in a way that you could only dream about if you're an evangelist. The whole city is accepting the message. The city that he didn't want to go to, the city that is the potential enemy, the city that is feared by his own nation, and yet... God is doing a transformation. Kind of similar to what you were reading about this morning. Thoughts of hopelessness and how could this possibly happen, and yet it is happening. It says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. And it says Jonah was greatly displeased and got angry. It would have been much happier for him to see their destruction knowing that his own country would not have been in imminent trouble. His loyalty was in the wrong place. He prayed to the Lord, this is, is this not what I said when I was still at home? In other words, he reveals his thinking. That is why I was quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you're gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. 
I knew this could happen. Question in my mind is, do we know that that can happen? When we look with fear at other people's, do we know that God desires to transform their hearts? Do we know that he has compassion for them? Do we know that he, they need to hear? Well, he, he goes outside of town. And he's stewing. He builds a little shelter for himself. It says on the east side of town where he can watch. And as he's there, the, a, a vine grows up. And apparently it, it kind of shades him. And then a worm comes along and eats it. And he gets really upset that worm destroyed a, a beautiful vine. And God comes back to him and says, you know, you're all upset over the bush, but or the vine, what, you know, here are all these people. You don't care. Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do. I'm angry enough to die. Forgot that fish pretty quickly. The Lord said, you've been concerned about this vine. You did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. There's a lot of people that you've had no investment in ever. But they've grown up. They're there. And to have no compassion whatsoever, in a sense, is like looking at that, you know, being upset over a, something that's, that's has no heart, has no opportunity for knowing God, getting upset about the, 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 the house, getting upset about the car, getting upset about possessions, and failing to recognize that God is deeply concerned about people. Says Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left. Spiritually, they're idiots. Should I not be concerned? So I put that out to you, and I'm going, each of us at times gets fearful of groups and of nations and of peoples. And there's a tendency in our loyalties, selfishness, to draw boundaries and lines that say, I hope God does something to them quickly. I hope God brings them down because potentially they could really make my life uncomfortable. They could make our people uncomfortable. And yet the truth is God has compassion for them just as he does for us. There has to be a willingness in our hearts that says, I will go when he calls me to go. I will go to the places that he asked me to go to. That same assertiveness is when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. We must never lose sight that our gospel is an assertive gospel. Our gospel, the, the, the message that's been given to us, is for others as well. And it's not just about 
living a quiet life that has no voice and an unwillingness to declare anything because it might come back and haunt us or somebody might refuse it. Well, rather, there's an assertiveness required of us that says, God is compassionate for others. We must be compassionate also. And a willingness to declare wherever he would ask us to declare. Lord, we look at this and we recognize there are times when we would rather be comfortable and we would rather comfort for our nation than seeing your word go forth to people groups that sometimes intimidate us. We ask that you'd wipe away that fear and help us to see things through your eyes. We thank you for this Old Testament story that draws attention to your compassion for all people. Let that dwell in our hearts. Amen.